Well, good morning. Uh, my name is uh, Ken. Uh, I want to read the scriptures to you now. He told a parable to those who were invited when, they noticed, uh, when he noticed how they chose the places of honor, saying to them, when you're invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in the place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you uh, be invited by him. And he who invites you both will come and say to you, give your, per- give your place to this person, and then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher, and then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, brothers and sisters. It's good to be here with everybody today and, 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 and get to hang out and, and share God's word with you. Um, I want you to know, uh, whether you're watching online with us today or, or you're here with us today, that you're loved. You are loved um, by me. If we've not met before, my name is Ken, and I serve as uh, a pastor here. And I want you to know that you are loved by our Father who created you. I want you to know that you are loved by me because he loved me first and he's teaching me how to love you. And often I fail at loving you and at others and others. And I, I do that because of my pride. Uh, my pride could either make me overconfident in my importance or insecure. And with both sides of that coin, I leak love. You know, they actually have the same source, me thinking of myself first. Instead of thinking of God or or others. For it is when I am worried about whether I am loved that I forget to love others. You know, I think we all can be tempted to do that sometimes. Our pride may be a subtle thing, but it affects many of our attitudes and many of our behaviors. And and the frightening thing is that we often don't see it in ourselves, and yet it's like a poison gas, a, a, a deadly killer to all of our relationships, especially with God and with other people. And like our own gas, other people can smell our pride, but often we can't. For many of us, our pride drives a lot of our behaviors. You know, we can buy things with money we we don't have to impress people we really don't like. We can overwork trying to achieve things so that others love us. We can even stress our bodies or, or mutilate them in an effort to be liked or be approved of. And sometimes we can even fall short of loving or abusing, and we can even abuse those that are closest to us because of our drive or our need to impress others. Now, the flip side of this two-sided coin of pride is we can also avoid new opportunities because our fears of what others think of us, that, that they might not be impressed with us, and so we avoid opportunities. We can isolate from other people, and, and, and medicate to, to deal with the, the pain of our insecurities in comparison to others. This feeling of, of not being enough 
limits our ability to be satisfied with who God has actually made us to be. We can even use our insecurities to, to justify punishing others in our family and, and those around us. We, we can blame them for their successes or speak badly to them or others to, to try to bring them down a peg so that we can feel better about ourselves. Some of us can even harm ourselves because we are unsatisfied with ourselves. We can use substances like food or alcohol or illegal or legal drugs to, to medicate the pain of our insecurities. So whether we're thinking too highly of ourselves or, 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 or too low of ourselves in comparison to others, the source of that two-sided coin is actually pride. You know, I often think that those who seem very confident and maybe are more aggressive are the ones that are prideful, but those who are insecure, fearfully fretting to be better can be as well. You know, the Bible says this, the fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. You know, our message today, what God has led me to do, is the trap of insecurity. Our, our fear of man, or what people think of us, is, is friends, what makes us insecure. It's, it's the false belief we need to achieve more approval from people or ourselves to be loved. And that verse does say, whoever trusts in God's love for them is safe. They're without the mental torment of insecurity that is ultimately caused by our pride. The Bible says pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. Proverbs 16, 18. See, pride makes us depart from God's love and, and fall into sin, into things that are destructive for us. The, the reason the Bible says that man fell into sin in the first place was pride. Not trusting in God's love and God's provision for them. There, there was this insecure thought that, that there must be something better, something better that we deserve. Today in our text, I, I believe Jesus is, is pointing to a problem that we all face, but he's also pointing to the solution. So today, open your Bibles to Luke chapter 14, and we're going to start in verse 7 and, and learn from a proverb that, that Jesus gave us to help us. It starts this way. It starts, now he told a parable to those who were invited when they noticed um, how, they, how they chose places of honor saying to them, you know, last week we learned that uh, Jesus was at a party uh, of the leader of the Pharisees. And because Jesus made the Pharisees insecure, they invited him over to trap him uh, by healing a man on the Sabbath. Their ultimate goal was to make Jesus look bad so that they and their religion looked good. And, and Jesus shows compassion to the sick man and he did that not to impress anybody, but because it was good and it was right before God. He did not have a fear of what the Pharisees thought of him. He, he just did what pleased his father by being compassionate to this very sick man. 
being secure in himself and his father's love, allowed Jesus to go into action and just simply show love to the man. His understanding and application of God's love actually silenced his opposition at the Pharisee's house. Then Jesus notices something going on at the dinner, and that's where we're at. All the guests were jockeying around for the best position at the table. In the first century culture, people would sit kind of like in a V, or they would recline in this V at meals, and the ones closest to the host were considered the most important in their social standing. And those further away were thought of as less important. And the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were, were fighting with each other to, to get the best seat at the table next to the host, the, the, the leader of the Pharisees. And this is a visual picture uh, of what Jesus, Jesus often pointed out about the Pharisees, that the opinion of man was a greater God to them than the Father God. Jesus was constantly trying to lead his disciples away from the temptation and the trap of fearing man's opinion of them. At another Pharisee's house, Jesus said, Woe to you, Pharisees, for you love the best seats in the synagogue and greetings in the marketplaces. But they didn't love God. We cause ourselves a lot of woe as a people by seeking the love of man instead of trusting in the love that God has for us. And the, and the Pharisees are, are fighting. They're sitting next to a man trying to gain honor, and the man they're trying to sit next to is a man who would set a social trap for his guest just to make him look bad that, so he could feel important. And so because of this, all the Pharisees are honoring a man with no honor and ignoring Jesus, who is likely at the low end of the table ministering to the man that he just healed. And those who were more aggressive or had more confidence because of social status, they, they forced their way to the front of the line. And those insecure because of their so, social status felt shame and held themselves back or they were actually being pushed back. The, the problem was that the Pharisees thought that social promotion was the point or the goal of life. And, and many in our world today think the same way, which is actually what creates all the insecurities we have, especially here in the United States. Even their religion had become about social promotion, not God. So Jesus shares a parable with them to help them see the problem. He says, when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in the place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this person and then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. You know, often in Scripture, the kingdom of heaven is pictured as a wedding table or a wedding reception. And, and this parable starts by saying, when you're invited. And, and that's really the important part to focus, to, to, to get over the fear of man, is, is to focus on when you're invited. You know, the fact is, we're all invited. You're all invited first to this life made in God's image. And, and then we are all invited into eternal life by a son. And God is the someone in this parable making the invitation. 
And if, if you have gratitude, if there's gratitude there for uh, the invitation, then all self-promotion becomes less necessary. If you have true gratitude for the invitation, then what seat you're at at the table does not really matter. See, these are all spiritual men who should have known from the word of God that, that, that it's about God's goodness and his importance as host, and they should feel grateful that he had chosen them. But they are too busy fighting for position to be grateful to the host. Instead, they are disgraced, um, disgracing the host by fighting with one another instead of using their abilities to praise him. You know, the Pharisee host had loved them enough to invite them. And our host, God, loves us all enough to invite us to the banquet, to the table. I mean, you would feel important if Bill Gates or Elon Musk invited you to um, their son's wedding. You, you would feel really important if, if, if Bill Gates or Elon Musk in, invited you to their son's wedding. The, the Bible says, if you're breathing today, you're made in God's image, and you are invited to the table of the one who owns a thousand cattle on a thousand hills. And I would dare say our host is much more important than Elon or your boss or your neighbor or your high school classmates or, or those that you're trying to impress. Which host are, are you allowing to determine your worth? The really rich, eternal one that calls you a son or daughter or the poor temporary ones that for now seem to have all the bling in this world? Whose opinion would you fear most? If it's not our main host, the father, you're in a trap that makes you insecure. Friends, it's better to eat tuna fish and, and, and a dry sandwich and drink water and be grateful you were invited than to drink wine and eat steak feeling that you need to strive for more. One leads to peace and happiness and the other will lead to your destruction. The, the need for status in life is an empty pursuit according to Jesus. Understanding the truth of your status is where true humility comes from. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's, it's rightly understanding your value without the need to strive to prove that you are better than others. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And when you start to realize that everyone, including uh, Bill Gates and Elon Musk, are beggars before God, then you can be truly happy that you've been invited to the table. Jesus gives us a do not or a warning about striving just for status in life. He says, do not strive to sit down in a place of honor. You know, the working or pursuing self-promotion is what's bound to make you very unhappy in life. And here's the reality. Jesus is sharing there is always someone that is better than you in every field. Someone with more money, more power, more beauty, more friends, more followers. You know, my friend Tim just came in here and his, his new wife. Let's, let's give them a hand. I'm glad that they're here. 
Tim is one of the largest human beings I know. I, I, one time, I think he was second in the world in grappling. There's somebody bigger than Tim. That's my point. There's always, you know, there's always going to be, in a, you know, it, it, you're going to go through defeats in life. And, and so it, it doesn't matter how good or successful you are. There's always someone with more of something. And if there's not right now, let's say you're at the top spot, just wait a couple of years. And you'll find there's somebody that's higher than you. The truth is you can be very, very successful in life and still be very, very insecure. Especially if you're not happy, unless you're the very best. And friends, isn't that the fear of man that drives that? When you fear that someone else is better than you, you know, my natural state as a person is, is I'm a very competitive person. And I'm not saying that com competition is wrong. But before I got to know Jesus Christ, it was not enough for me just to win at whatever I was doing. I wanted to make sure I destroyed my competition. That was who I was. This was all driven by my insecurities. I, I had to win or I was not okay. And if I was not winning, I made others around me unhappy with my attitude, and they were not okay. Thankfully, Jesus has been healing me of that attitude because it's what made me unloving. In this parable, he's saying there is always someone more distinguished. If you find your honor in being distinguished among men, you're going to be disappointed. More than disappointed, you will feel shame. And shame comes when we assign our worth in comparison to another person, which is the fear of man. And, and, and Jesus says in his parable, he who invited you both. You know, the host did not invite you and the other person to the party to compete with one another. He, he didn't do that. He didn't do that so all eyes would be on you fighting. He invited you to the party to put your eyes on him and celebrate the wedding. The host invited you to the wedding to honor him and his bride. You're not supposed to be the show. He is. And because it's his show, he decides where you're going to sit at the party. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the fountain of life and that one may turn away from the snares of death. Proverbs 14, 27. Focusing on your value in comparison to others leads to the death of your joy. Maybe the death of your health and ultimately the death of your life. While focusing on being grateful that you are invited no matter what table you're requested to sit on and accepting that is the Lord's choice for your life, is where life is. In the kingdom, the host determines where you sit, not you. If your estimation of yourself is too high or you're striving to be too high, the host has the ability to come and humble you and put you back in the place that he originally designed for you. God's objective is his honor, not yours. He will do what's best for that because, you know what, that's actually best for you because he loves you. 
And if you're not in alignment with his plan, you will feel shame when you compare yourself with somebody else. You will feel less than who you are, which is someone who got invited to his table. All because your value is invested in your place instead of his love for you, which again is the fear of man. I want you to notice that the host did not kick you or the guest out of the party. The host doesn't kick you or the guest out of the party. He just changed your seat assignments. You're still a guest at his wedding celebration. So if you're not where you want to be, why do you feel shame? It's because your estimation of yourself or your pride makes you feel shame. It is your striving to be at the wrong seat, a seat that's not yours now, that makes you dissatisfied in life. And in this parable, Jesus instructs of the value of humility in whatever our place is, and that humility will give us peace. And he says this in verse 10, but when you're invited, go and sit at the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. And then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. Instead of trying to be First, all the time, celebrate the host who invited you and take the lowest seat. Because when the host comes back, he's going to recognize your humble state. He will see that your focus is on him and and not on your higher seat. And he he will come and he will call you friend. And then he, he, he will lift you up to a higher seat. Jesus' parable says, you will be honored in the presence of all who sit with you at the table. Now, I want you to think about being the leader of the Pharisees' table, just sitting at the leaders of the Pharisees' table. And if you got the top seat, do you think anybody else at that table is really honoring you in their thoughts? No, they hate you because you got the first seat. But, but here... God promises you will be honored in the presence of all. Why? Because you got there by his grace, not by clawing your way to the top, making enemies competing with your brothers and your sisters. Jesus' emphasis here is on community rather than personal status. A community that honors one another wins. It is honored. Not the individual that competes to be the best and wins the best seat at the table for himself. When when the host invites you up, you will be honored. You You will feel loved. Often when you fight and strive for the top space, you will feel shame. Even if you get to the top seat, you'll feel insecure. You will not enjoy the top seat because you're always fearing that some other person's going to come down and knock you off. Or let's say you're too insecure to strive for the top seat. You will feel shame because you're not there. Or, or you're not even trying to be there. But again, be grateful that you were invited to the table. Be grateful you were at the party. And let the host move you where it brings him the most honor. This insecurity about what table you're at will either keep you from moving up or it'll keep you from enjoying 
whatever seat you were at. And Jesus gives these competing Pharisees the truth of how the kingdom of God works. And friends, this is not a threat of how it could work. It is a promise of how it does work. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Beloved, that's a universal problem, a promise from God's word for everyone, universally, for everyone. It doesn't matter which seat you currently have at the table. It says you will be, which is a promise, either humbled or exalted. If you're a competitor, if if that's your nature, and you desire to be at the top, I want you to pay attention so you'll know how to compete by the rules of the kingdom. Everyone who has a high estimation of their own self-importance apart from his grace, which is pride, friends, will be humbled. Everyone. And everyone who humbles themselves, those are the ones that win. Do you see that? They will be lifted up. Here's what happens when the goal of our heart's desire is to be lifted up in the eyes of men. We end up lifting ourselves up above God. See, the Pharisees are all competing for the top seat to gain status with men. And these are all spiritual leaders in the, of their community who supposedly know and love the word of God. Many of these Pharisees would have memorized the first five books of the Bible. And, and Jesus is not giving them some new information here in his parable. This was wisdom from the ages. Uh, the Proverbs said this. It says, do not put yourself forward in the king's presence or stand in the place of the great, for it is better to be told, come up here, than to be put in, the, in a lower in the presence of a noble. So these men are ignoring God's word. They're, they're, they're making themselves greater than God. They're, they're, they're greater than his command to them in their competitive behavior with each other. They, they have fallen into the trap of disobeying God, the God they say they love, and they are willing to betray another brother, Jesus, by setting him up and to, to break the Sabbath just so they can prove how spiritually superior they are in comparison to him. And, and in doing so, they break God's law of mercy to the man who was ill, And they also break the Sabbath, what the Sabbath was intended for. Everyone who exalts themselves, friends, will be humbled. Jesus, with kindness, humbly knocks them down a peg. Just by obeying the word of God and and compassionately serving a sick man while they're trying to compete with him. They are humbled. The text says, when Jesus spoke, they had nothing to say. And friends, it's painful. Humbled. That's painful when God have your hypocrisy pointed out. So when your mind is on exalting yourself among men or focused on your insecurities and you're not exalted, what's happening is you're going to be humbled. God will have to make you aware of your pride. And this forced awareness of our pride causes us shame. But, but there's a problem. The Pharisees did not feel shame, enough shame to humble themselves. Instead, 
in the pain of their shame, they got more prideful and started jockeying for position. And instead of trying to humble themselves and listen to Jesus, they fought harder to get closer to the corrupt head of the Pharisees, further away from God. And behavior, not the fear of God. Even though they knew the word of God, they were, they were not able to hear the word of God. They were so caught up in the insanity of competing for the affection of people. And Jesus promises that those who exalt themselves will be made humbled. And it was proven true in them. They, they, they look like fools in how they're acting, both before men and God. And, and Jesus humbly instructs him with his word, even though his words offend their pride. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. For Jesus' desire for them is to be exalted instead of being humbled because he loves them. If you love someone and you see them walking into a trap, don't you warn them? And they have fallen into this trap called the fear of man. And beloved, it's a trap that I fall into and, and we all fall into quite often. And it's God's mercy to us to come and humble us so that we do not die in that trap forever. Jesus was the only one in, in that room not in the trap because he truly feared his father. It, it was his father's approval he wanted most, not the praise of man. And all the actions of his life indicate that. The Apostle Paul said this in Philippians 2, Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Have this in your mind. Is your first thought about your greatness or, or your lack of greatness among men? Then you are not displaying the mind of Christ. No matter what you say you believe about him, you're thinking selfishly in the flesh. Because this is how Jesus thought. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God to be a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Jesus did not only just teach these men a parable to humble them. He lived an example of humility. He humbled himself. He, he came down from heaven and lived among us. The, the top guy in the universe planned for and allowed himself to be born by a poor single mom with a questionable reputation that lived in a hick town. There was no status in Jesus' birth. He, he grew up working as a, a humble tradesman in his father, earthly father's business of carpentry. He hung out most of the time with people that did not give him any status. All of his friends were either fishermen or tax collectors or prostitutes. Jesus' intelligence was beyond anybody's. But he did not hang out in universities to gain more status and prestige. 
He who was rich in heaven became poor for our sake, living as a homeless itinerant preacher so he could share God's message of love and grace with us. Jesus did not walk around as a God among men, trying to be first in everything he did, having the best seat at the table. Instead, he took on the form of the lowest servant, even among his own disciples who he had authority over, and he washed their feet. And, he, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus was not insecure because um, uh, he humbled himself to serve others instead of being in this rat race of competition that we get into. And, and that allowed him to be obedient to his father. See, Jesus died every day to pride as he walked towards that cross in Jerusalem to obey his father's will. He allowed his own people, like the Pharisees, to constantly betray him and try to trap him without being offended. Instead of attacking them, he, he just gently instructed them for their own benefit. He, he allowed prominent political leaders um, that were always trying to be first, like Herod and Pilate, to accuse him of a crime that he did not commit. He even allowed them to uh, have him be flogged and mocked, and spit on, and beaten, even though he was innocent. See, Jesus knew who he was. He did not have to prove it to anybody by calling down fire from heaven all over them to deal with their injustices towards him. Instead, he died to show us mercy, paying the price for our sins in his own death. And even though he never sinned, he humbled himself taking on his body the sins of the whole world. My sins, your sins. He even prayed for the ones who hung him bleeding on the cross. Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. This eternally existing being humbled himself to experience death for our sake. He did not put himself first. He, he put us first. He put his father's will first. Scripture tells us, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame of it because he loved us and he trusted his father's word. And he did not fear what man thought of this disgraceful way to die. And therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee, should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen? He proved the truth promised in the parable he told that day to the Pharisees. He who humbles himself will be exalted. Because after three days, he walked out the, the shame of the grave, the shame of death, because it could not hold him. He was alive again, alive forever, and he received the best seat at the banquet at the Father's right hand. Because of his humble service, he was exalted higher than anybody will ever be. And he promises 
to those who follow his way, that they will be exalted, that they will be given the forgiveness of their sins, and they will be given the gift of everlasting life with him forever in his kingdom. Today, you may feel like you're very last in life. Jesus promised in his kingdom, some are last who will be first, and some are first who will be last. Jesus says there will be many who compete in this life for the glory in men's eyes that will end up dead last on the last day. They will be thinking they're first because they had all the affection and the love of man. But they won't even be able to enter the kingdom of God. They will spend eternity in hell's prison because they didn't have any humility before God. But there will be those who are humble in whatever status they are given by God in this life. Not because of what they have strived at in life. They're just humbled that they're happy to be at his table. Who will be first at his heavenly table. And and will have mansions in his kingdom because of his love and because of his grace. Today, I believe we have all fallen into the trap of our insecurities. I know I have. And it's because of the concern for what others think of us. And often that has caused us to sin against our Heavenly Father's will. Today, humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, He may exalt you. Beloved, it is better to humble yourself now than to be humbled. You have been invited to the table. Be joyful, be grateful, no matter what seat you have been given right now, because the Son of God loves you, and the Son of God died for you. Cast all your anxieties on Him, because He cares for you. Today, do not fear men and perish. Fear His love and live forever exalted with Him. Crosswinds. What if we all did this? What if we all humbly served each other instead of thinking of our own needs first? What if we suffered for each other instead of seeking our own comfort first? What if we all gave up our time and our money and our talents to serve each other with the same mind of Christ? No no matter what size we are as a body, what kind of impact could that make to this community? to this country, to this world, if we would all just humbly serve each other and and serve our neighbors instead of trying always to be first or, or, or sitting back wishing to be first, trying to be first or waiting to be served. Could you imagine how a God of infinite resources could lift this small body up to do magnificent things for his glory. I'm going to ask the praise team to come up now, and I'm going to ask them to humbly serve us. They're doing a a wonderful job today. They're going to serve us with the grace of music that God has given them. And let's take this time to all repent of our selfishness and our our self-focus and gratefully sing joyfully happily at the table, exalting our host, the King Jesus.
Today, maybe it's a time that you need to personally come and humbly confess your sins to him and, and make yourself low before him and, and, and let him lift you up. Today, put your trust in his word and be saved. Save yourself from the trap of your insecurities by faith in what he has done for you, and you will live forever exalted with him. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for how you've spoken to me this week. Lord, I thank you how you've spoken to each of us this week and reminded us that our minds are too much on ourselves and we need to have the mind of Christ and turn from this need to always be first and turn and humble ourselves before you and serve you. Do your will. Lord, use us in a powerful way as a congregation. A powerful way through our humble servitude and, and love for others. Change my heart, God. Change each of our hearts to put our eyes on you and not on ourselves. Father, if there's anybody here that's not met you, may they come today and humbly confess their sins to you knowing that your word is true, that you will not cast them down with shame, but that, Lord, you will lift them up, you will give them forgiveness of their sins, and you will give them the gift of everlasting life. Oh, Lord, if anybody's listening right now, Father, may they just cast their eyes down and confess to you and say, I'm sorry. Sorry for making everything in this life bigger than you. Trying to be first. I come to you now. I accept what you have done for me. And I choose to follow you. And let you be first. And Father, if they've done that, you will exalt them. And we praise you, Lord. Your word says in heaven you're exalting them right now. That you, there's more joy in heaven, your word says. That you are dancing dancing for them. We praise you, Jesus, for your mighty love for us. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.